0: The Addiction Podcast, point of no return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason.
1: Hello, Joni. Here we are again, week number... Episode 48. We're getting there. So it's week
0: 49 because we missed a week, but episode 49, I mean 48, and uh, you know... You said to me one time, you said that whenever you do a blog about marijuana, you get tons of controversial feedback. It's an
1: emotional topic for people. It really is. And people that really love it, really love it. And people that are really against it are really against it. And we are never going to see eye to eye. It's true. Ever. And
0: so um, I went, I noticed, um, I kept getting alerts that there was a bunch of feedback on our Facebook page. And so I went and looked at it. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, the Steve Collins interview that was right. the week before last. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just um, a lot of feedback on marijuana. But there was young one young man who said he started on marijuana mm-hmm. and went to heroin and, you know, basically destroyed his life. And then he found faith and that's how he got himself clean. And I just commented, well done you for, yeah, sure. you know, getting clean. I mean, I think you know, that works for a lot of people, but then there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, um, you know, that, that doesn't work for them. And so, yeah. you know, that's partly why we do this because we know that, you know, almost 80% of the time Narcanon does work. And so, yeah, that's and, why we talk and about and I'd it. I'd say,
1: I don't know if I, I don't want to give a inaccurate statistic, But I'm going to say more than three quarters of all the people that come to Narcan on their first drug was marijuana. Right. And everyone says that is pro, you know, marijuana legalization, pro medical marijuana, legal, you know, recreational marijuana, whatever. Oh, it's not a gateway. It's not this. It's not that. And it's like, okay, look, I understand your opinion. I get it. I totally understand that you love this stuff and you think it has all these benefits. But realistically, I've been in treatment for over a decade. Yeah. And most of the people that I talk to that come through the program that are on mar- that are on uh heroin that are on pills that are on meth that are on crack that are on all sorts of stuff their first drug was marijuana before alcohol. Most of these guys try marijuana before alcohol. Right. And um right. I like we said before it's a situational gateway. You're eventually going to go on to something more because someone's going to be there that has more. You're already sitting there getting stoned and it's like why not? People need to realize I understand you have your opinion. We have ours, exactly. And, <laughs> and here's and, and, I, and it's from it's from a real world perspective, right? Because it's not like I'm making this up as I go. It's like someone says marijuana is not a gateway. I said tell that to the hundred addicts that I've seen in the last year that all start on marijuana that came to get off heroin or meth or whatever.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, don't,
1: you know, I, don't know. I it, get fired up too. <laughs> well, the other
0: thing that kind of bothered me though is that. Um, you know, there's one of the people that posted said, you know, oh, you're condemning people for doing this or that, or you're, mm. we don't condemn anybody.
1: I, think I think mean, like hello, if people.
0: you, if you see that comment on Facebook, please listen to our podcast. We're not, we don't condemn anybody for anything. That's just not how
1: we roll. I mean I don't condemn you know? people for shooting heroin. Well, I can condemn someone for smoking marijuana. Prob- I just can give you the
2: data.
0: Now let me let me change that. Probably the only people we would condemn if anybody are the drug companies who just feel the need to produce drugs that are dangerous and sure. addictive and you know, mind-altering in a bad way. And, and those people, yeah, I, I I would condemn some of those people. But I, the people who are smoking marijuana because they like it and because they think it helps them, we're not condemning them. We don't agree with it, but we're not condemning I, anybody. Actually, I, I
1: actually, I tried to publicly condemn a, a pharmaceutical company and the people that give me legal approval on my blogs Wouldn't let said you. it back to me They said, Jason, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't do that. This is this is like borderline libel. Because I get really upset about the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, I do, because... It was so strategically planned how it all happened. Right. You can't say this was some sort of happy accident that we had this immense overprescription of painkillers. It, no. it was coordinated. It was like a coordinated effort. And um, the blog was in, in response to a uh, a company firing a bunch of employees and kind of reeling back the the sales blitz that they do. Right. And so I said X, Y, and Z, and my legal – Apartment was like there's no way we can publish this maybe you shouldn't but say I, that jason but i condemn them too i do i can't see how any of them sleep well at night although they are sleeping on you know the tiers of families and millions and millions and millions of dollars and they probably sleep sick. because they it, use it, sleeping uh, pills jason probably sleeping pills. they probably use drugs to sleep so uh, you know they're
0: uh, one would one would think that might be the case it's just
1: so twisted
0: well and um Anyway, I, I did want to talk a little bit about more about marijuana today, largely because I interviewed a couple of people at the drug symposium. Now, the first one, and drug prevention, some, the drug prevention summit that I was at. Now, the first one, I, I can't remember if it's a lot about marijuana, but this is another woman who works with Drug Free World mm-hmm. and does a lot of lectures mm-hmm. and talks to a lot of different people about the truth about drugs booklets sure. and really educating people. And here's the thing, you know, we are going to educate you on marijuana and and the truth that we know about marijuana. And if you choose to smoke it anyway, that's up to you. Up to you. you know, it's the choice that you make. So the first interview is Lynn Positton. I've okay. known Lynn for a long time. Know well. You know Lynn as know well. Lynn as well, and she does the, the the one of the reasons I wanted to interview her. And I don't know, I don't. You know, like we know where people listen from, but we don't necessarily know all the demographics of our sure. listeners. But the thing that I think is impressive about what Lynn does is l- what Linda does is paid for by the company she works for. Right. And she does not work for a drug company. She works for an energy company. Mm-hmm. And the owner of that company feels strongly enough about educating people on the truth about drugs in, in an effort to prevent drug addiction, and he feels so strongly about it that he, that's her full-time job, is doing
1: this. That's cool.
0: And it has really nothing to do with the company, and so I thought it was kind of interesting to interview her from that perspective. All right. So let's play it. Let's listen. Okay, so this is Joni Siegel with the Addiction Podcast, and I am at the 6th Annual Southeastern Region Drug Prevention Summit. And I have in front of me Mrs. Lynn Positin, and she is the Director of Community Relations at Consumer Energy Solutions. And I think one of the things that is most important about what Lynn does, and I will have her talk to you, is that she has an employer who is taking responsibility from a business owner's viewpoint for the drug problem that we have in our society. So thank you for talking to me, Lynn. My pleasure. So give me an idea of some of the things that you do um, in the whole drug prevention arena. Well, what's beautiful about what I do is that we have 100
3: employees and we try to engage them in ways that help the community. Uh, It starts at the top, and our CEO has the mission of helping youth. And when you look at the drug, quote-unquote, drug problem, it's everywhere. And so we found a way that we can be active and engage our youth in educating them what the truth is about drugs so that they could make a proper decision, and we hope to steer completely clear of them. Got it. And what do you? What materials do you use to
0: educate the youth about drugs?
3: The Truth About Drugs program from the Foundation for a Drug-Free World has the most effective. Uh, and I, I will add that they are actually available at no charge to people who uh, have all different types of uh, need for them, from educators. Groups, clubs, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, you you know, you name it, those materials are available to individuals or groups. And so we have, uh, you know, a nonstop flow of, you know, whatever we need, we can get. And so the booklets, there's one booklet, uh, information booklet on each and every drug of use and abuse. Wow. So
0: it's all there. That's awesome. And how would somebody get these booklets if they wanted them? Do they contact you or is there a website? Well, you know, they don't need to contact me, that's for
3: sure. They are, there is an incredible website. It's very, very engaging. It's very current. It's called drugfreeworld.org. That's and there Yeah. <laughs> and they're all available. And what's really cool about the website is that it's interactive in that you can just click on a page and the actual booklet turns. It's very great. And there are videos. Forget it. There's a, a full-length documentary even called The Truth About Drugs, Real People, Real Stories. And not one person in the documentary is an actor. These right. are, you know, real people, real stories. And it's over an hour long, but you can watch it in segments. So if you just wanted to, you know, take on a chapter of alcohol for whatever education you're doing, you can just click to that. And uh, it's incredible. I that- mean, I, I use it all
0: the time in schools. It's awesome. It's a great resource. Okay, so you bring this up. So you actually go in front of groups and to schools to talk about this yeah
3: I mean we have we have red ribbon week for instance in October and even people that aren't usually involved in drug education uh, find themselves getting involved at that point in some way shape or form for awareness you know that seems to be the thing right these days it's yep. there's months in awareness and red ribbon week happens in October and um, you can go and find out more about what that week is all about but basically it's drug prevention Week. And schools get very active. So from word of mouth and the experience that I've had, people do reach out to me and say, would you please come to you know ABC School and talk to our middle schoolers? And sometimes they want me to do it in individual classes and sometimes in a very big um, what would you call it, assembly right. type of
0: thing where right. I've done 300 kids at a time. That's awesome. How many kids would you say, well first of all, how long have you been doing this? Six and a half years. Okay, so roughly, broad estimate, how many kids or people do you think you've gotten
3: in front of with these materials? My gosh, you know, I have not given it any thought, but I mean, when you do 300 at a time and you do that a couple times a year, it's thousands yes. now. Yes. Yeah. My guess is
0: thousands or tens of thousands, <laughs> and you, you, you are providing a very needed service in the community, and once again, um, Lynn is the director of community relations at Consumer Energy Solutions and the reason why I bring that up again is because here you have a company. This is a business, this is a for profit business, but they are doing what they can to take responsibility for the drug addiction problem, which is huge in our country. So
3: it is. and I think I think with the you know the buzzword these days being corporate social responsibility, I, I believe that, you know, it's not just a, a theme. You right. know, you should really get behind it and figure out a way to do it. If not as active as me, there are, you know, you can get hold of these materials and do a mailing or you can get hold of the materials and, you know, help your PTA. There's a million things you can do with it. So don't, don't think that you can't get involved. Exactly. My thing.
0: Exactly. And that's a good message that everybody really can get involved and everybody really should get involved with this problem and do whatever they can. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. We've been talking to Lynn Posident. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you.
1: So I thought that was a good interview. How cool is that though that her company pays for her to go and educate people on drugs. You know, I wish when I when I was a kid I had someone like that versus a dare cop. Right. Come by, come by and actually give you Scare real, tactics kind not, of. Right. You know? The cops would give, yeah, you the cops give you scare tactics. Yeah, the cops would give you scare tactics so that you're
0: like and if, you look at that and you go, "Yeah, I don't believe that," you but, know.
1: But someone like Lynn that goes around and has just a true passion to educate people while giving you actual real data about drugs, I think is very, 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 very valuable.
0: I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, again, you know, I said it in the interview or I said it before the interview, if you own a company and you have a bunch of employees Take some responsibility for this problem, because I can almost guarantee if you don't have someone in your family that's an addict, I'm going to bet one of your employees does. If they're not addicts themselves and you could you can get these materials. They're free. I'm sure there's other materials. These are just the ones I'm familiar with, but you can get them off the website, and they're free, is, and you can give them to your employees and have it? them take them home.
1: Drugfreeworld.org?
0: Drugfreeworld.org, and you can get the, the booklets and the videos, and you can pretty much get all that of That is
1: very cool, and I've actually done lectures with Lynn uh, downtown at the Dr- at Foundation for Drug-Free World, and it's great because you see people turn out um, and come and show up who just want information, and it's actually... <laughs> funny sometimes it go shock people because people you never really realize how much bad data is out there and how much false how much false information is out there and that people have and think with and so it's nice to be like give the actual like facts like this is what this is and so make the decision that you think is the best for yourself and
0: exactly really and good. speaking of false data about marijuana I wanted to play another interview that was with Bonnie Snyder and she is the community healthcare facilitator at Baycare. Okay. And she has a different kind of a different perspective, but she also brought up something that people say to her about marijuana that I was just like that it's just false data yeah. about marijuana. So, let's play that one. Okay. I have with me now, I have Bonnie Snyder, and Bonnie is a community healthcare facilitator with Baycare. Now, that's a mouthful, Bonnie. <laughs> Thank you for talking to me, but tell me, what does it mean? Like, what
2: what do you do in the community? Well, under um, the Care Behavioral Health Umbrella, um, I work with the Community Health Activation Team, or CHAT, you know, for short. Um, and basically, we are a 16-member team. Our focus is alcohol and substance abuse prevention. Um, and in that capacity, um, those of us on the team focus on different populations um like myself personally um i work in an elementary school um a middle school the um pasco county detention center the jail okay um and as well as out in the community
0: okay and what do you find what's the biggest challenge that you have these days in this area
2: i would say some of the biggest challenges i have is resistance to some of the information um Dispelling myths that people have, you know, about you know substances, especially when it comes to things like, I mean, the, for me, the biggest one is like marijuana, right? Um, and getting, you know, people, you know, getting over that hurdle of this is the myth, this is the truth. Um, you know, the other challenge that I would say is not being able to reach. You know, it's like there's not enough of us to go around to reach the population that we um, that we do, even with the pushback on. Um, You know myths. um, What I find, you know, and I don't know if I want to put this. I'm going to call this a good challenge. Okay, um, is people are very receptive to the information, Um, and a lot of it I want to say is um, how information is presented. You know, if you tell, if you go into um, any discussion with, hey, I want you to be open-minded. You know, I want you to, you know, You know, I understand that. Um, there might be some things that I say that you may not agree with, and that's okay. Right. But I just want to provide you with the information. Right.
0: You know, it's interesting you bring up marijuana because we've talked about marijuana, you know, many times. And um, my co-host, who's not here today, he works at a rehab facility, and he's a former addict. And he's, you know, adamantly against the legalization of marijuana. Now, when I say that, you know, I'm not talking about people who need it for pain management and that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about recreational use of marijuana. And I think that there is an unwillingness on the part of a lot of people to really see what the effects of marijuana are, long-term effects. And I I Googled it one day, and it's things like lowered intelligence and, you know, slower reaction time. And, you know, people just don't want to know it, which is kind of a shame, you know? So what's the biggest resistance you, like when you talk to people about marijuana, what's the biggest kickback you get on that?
2: I'm going to answer this question like this and share, you know, share a personal side of it. That's okay. Okay. Um, One of the things that I hear, that's the biggest thing about marijuana is when I hear people say... But it's a cure for cancer. It's a cure for this, and especially when I hear the cure for cancer, um, and you know, this is where I get personal um, because I'm a cancer patient. There you go. And I tell them, you know, and I ask them. I said, okay, I want you to, I want you to process this for a moment. If marijuana was a cure for cancer. What do you think I would have done? Would I have smoked marijuana, or would I have endured the two surgeries that I had to have to remove the multiple tumors? You know, and I'm talking, you know, a surgery, you know, one year, and then three years later, when you know, it, when the cancer resurfaced, um, you know, enduring a second surgery. So we're talking, you know, you know, several years out of my life where you know I had to endure the, you know the pain of surgery and you know, losing some body parts. Tell me what I would have done if marijuana cured cancer. Right. And what I find in, you know, some people are reluctant to share their personal story, you know, especially yes. something that deeply personal. Yes. But I find for me is when I point out that as a cancer patient, having endured surgeries, and if marijuana was a cure for cancer, do you think I would have done that? Right. Um It's... I find some power in that. yeah. Um, And and for me, that's, that is one of the biggest pushbacks or, you know, it's so relaxing. You know, I I have to use it to relax. I have to use it. You know, it helps my concentration. It, um, and I'm like, do you understand that, you know, it doesn't slow your heart rate. It it speeds it up. You may feel like you're moving in slow motion. You may feel that you're slowed down, but you're not. And, um, you know, I find um, when you can you know share personal rather than just the and I hate not, I hate to call them talking points but right. for us they are our talking points right um that has the biggest impact
0: I can I can see that and thank you for sharing your personal story and you're, you're all welcome. better now
2: I'm still I'm still tracked I have okay. a couple more years before I can um, be considered cancer-free okay but it's a journey um, you know and it's a I find a lot of truth in the cliche. Um, Things happen to us for a reason. And I remember when I was first diagnosed, you know, it was one of those, like, why? You know, why me? You know, kind of thing. Um, And in the work that I do now, you know, I'm able to say, this is why. Yeah. This is why, like... um,
0: Because you have such a personal story and you can address these things. Well... You have an awesome story, and you make a very good point. I I personally would wonder where they get the idea that it cures anyway. It doesn't. It helps alleviate the discomfort that some people have if they're in a lot of discomfort, is my understanding. Bonnie, thank you for sharing your story. Very thank welcome. you for talking to us today. Very
2: welcome. Enjoy
0: the symposium. Thank you. My pleasure. Yep. Yeah, you had a you had a comment Jason that you don't think it does speed up the heart rate?
1: No, I th- I was saying I think I knew that. Oh, um, you knew it. That okay. Pe- that you know people will uh use marijuana to relax. Yeah. Oh, it relaxes me. Well, if you think about it, when you're smoking weed, your brain is hallucinating. Right. <laughs> uh your heart rate increases, your blood pressure can possibly go up. You get paranoia, nervousness, irritability, insatiable hunger
0: okay that just doesn't sound relaxing like these are to like me. all <laughs> things
1: that don't sound very relaxing to no. me and the okay. other thing was I, when i whenever i've smoked marijuana i'm good for nothing mm-hmm. but i am good to sit on the couch and be as unproductive as possible while having like internal vibrations and panic attack feelings
0: well Ooh, that may be look, that may be why you know you you get oh, I, I, chilled out or whatever maybe that's the viewpoint i don't know
1: Oh man, it helps me harness my creativity. There's actually been <laughs> there's actually evidence that marijuana doesn't really help with creativity, although people think it does. You know, people are like, "Well, I I do this better when I'm stoned," or "I drive better." I love that one. I drive better when I'm high.
0: Yeah, we talked about that one. Oh
1: god, that makes me so nervous. Yep. But or um, I you know my art's better or this is better. It's like. Actually, none of it's better. Right. Your perception of it is that it's better, but your perception is already skewed because you're you're using you're using a drug. Right. And so I don't know the the whole curing cancer thing is like okay that's all well and good I understand in some clinical tests and like a petri dish it showed that it might have some benefit but like if weed cured cancer like like she said. Who would go through surgeries? Who would go through chemo? Who well, would go there, through radiation? Well, there would be no Google.
0: more American Cancer Society. There would be no more, you know, walks for the cure. I mean, there would be no more cancer if it was a cure because it's been around for years.
1: I mean, cancer goes back thousands and thousands it, and thousands of years. They, I mean, they find... You know, fossilized bodies that have showed signs of cancer. Right,
0: I mean, but if marijuana was a cure, I mean, I, you think I've got I've got at that? least three people in my life who died from cancer, and they would still be with me, and that would be
1: really cool. Right, so one of, one of which is my grandmother. Yeah. I, she, she, she could have used it. Yeah, but um, I, I think it's we're not going anywhere fast. It's almost like we're, we're like stuck in the mud and spinning our wheels trying to get out of this drug crisis. And it's just like the more we try to like put the you know force the pedal down, the, the deeper we get stuck. I think we just need to stop fighting it. Yeah. I think everyone needs to get off the idea that we just need to agree to dis. I guess we have to all agree to disagree on certain things. Yep.
0: And marijuana is one of them because marijuana it's, is definitely one it's of them. very controversial, but you know, again, we're not trying to condemn anybody for doing it. We don't agree with it, but that's never, our, that's, that's our,
1: we can do that. That's our prerogative. I, you're right. It, it absolutely is. And like, like you said, I would never condemn anybody because look, you are a human being. It's you right. have the power of choice. The choices you make are your choices. As soon as they start to affect me, I'm going to say something. But while they're affecting you, all I want you to do is make make the best choice possible for your own survival. Because Lord knows I made some really, really, really terrible choices in my life. Right. And it affected the people around me. It affected myself. And it all started with marijuana. For me, that was the first drug I ever tried. And I tried that before I ever drank.
0: Right. And but, so you make a very good point. So if you want to smoke marijuana and you're going to sit in your house and you're going to watch TV or listen to music and you're going to smoke marijuana and go to bed, fine. But if you're going to smoke marijuana and then you're going to operate any kind of heavy machinery or you're going to smoke it and you're going to go get behind the wheel of a car, that's a different thing.
1: That's, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Yeah. That's going to affect me. That's going to affect my family. That's right. And because- if you
0: look at what's happening in Colorado, I mean... <laughs> People are doing that. You I know? just
1: speaking of Lynn Posit and she was just she and I and one of my graduates from the program actually did a thing over at Drug Free World last week and she actually showed a slide that I think it said fatalities involving overall some statistics dropped with the legalization of marijuana in Colorado but one of the increases on one of the increases which was like over two hundred percent were like car fatalities involving marijuana. Right. Went through the roof. Right. That's scary. Yep. That's really scary to me. Driving as it is is dangerous and terrifying all at the same time because you have to worry about all the other people on the road, even if you're a wonderful driver. And so right. in Colorado, it's got to be kind of frightening when you have that many people smoking weed and driving cars or taking edible and driving cars or, you know, whatever. And um, that that's a really frightening statistic.
0: It is a frightening statistic. And I think, you know, it's interesting because there's been so much – pressure put on um people who drink and drive and you know there's you know like statistics out about it and there probably just needs to be more educational material on like how many joints can you smoke or how much can you do before you know you you're driving impaired you know oh
1: god i I smoke half a joint like you well, <laughs> back in the day, I mean, that stuff's really strong. Yeah,
0: but the, and the reason why I say that is because I know I can have one glass of wine, I'm okay. I can drive, I'm okay. If I have two glasses of wine, I won't do it. I flat out won't get behind a car, the wheel of a car, because I know it's not a good thing, you know. And so, but I know that because of all of the education that's around right. on el- alcohol and how long it stays in the body. And I think... I think I we talked about this when we talked about this brochure oh, that have AAA a whole a puts out. Of yeah, and
1: driving. Yeah,
0: this is this is by AAA, and you know one of the one of the questions that said was the effects of marijuana wear off after one hour, and that is false. It can last up to five hours, but so people funny. just need to keep that in mind. You want to sit there, you want to smoke a joint, fine. Don't get behind the wheel of the car. Stay home. Yeah, stay
1: home. Order a pizza. Exactly. Don't, don't. Uber don't, Eats. <laughs> Uber Eats. I just had a terrible experience with Uber oh, Eats, no. by the way. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I think, you know, we're all going to have to agree to disagree to some, yeah. to, to some extent on uh, marijuana. The supporters are never going to see our viewpoint. That's right. We might never see their viewpoint. The reality is we have a major drug epidemic. Yep. And that's, here's another uh, thing. That's what's happening right now.
0: And here's another thing. If you're a supporter, you're a big supporter and you feel you got a lot to say about it do your own podcast because I'm going to tell you, we're never going to support it on this podcast. If you want it, you want it legalized, you want it recreational, you like doing it. This is not the podcast for you, but
1: I do like (laughs) that. We create a little bit of controversy. I agree. And I will invite anyone to make a comment and give us your opinion on this.
0: Absolutely, but then you might not you might want to find a different podcast <laughs> to listen to because we're never going to stop doing that. You know, um, we're not uh, obviously not going to change your mind, although we hope we will, and you're definitely not going to change ours because Jason sees too many people whose lives were destroyed by pot. after starting their drug addiction journey with pot. He sees it every single day, okay? He's never going to change his opinion on that. I'm never going to change my opinion on it because I've been there and I've seen it. So there you go. So we're going to agree to disagree with this, (laughs) but we don't condemn anybody. And that, that when I read that comment, I wanted to kind of get into it and I thought, no, I'm not going to do not that. Either. But, you know, it's just we don't condemn anybody. We just want to offer solutions and we want to offer help mm-hmm. to people and we want to offer hope to people. Um, I still have more interviews oh, <laughs> that we'll, we can do. We'll we don't going. have to do it next week, but next, we
1: still have more. Yeah, there's some things I want to talk about next week topically on opiate addiction perfect and then the
0: week after that we have an interview and um then i've got we've got a couple other interviews and there's also an interview that we're working on there's a couple who um they when they were at the summit they were talking about the effects and you mentioned this one time of what happens to kids when there's addiction in the family and um, he told an incredible story, which I will I will bring up when we interview him okay. because it was quite, you know, it was just very interesting. And, it, and a lot of what they talked about was the disconnect between law enforcement and social services. Sure. So anyway, we, we will do that. What else? What's
1: happening at Narconon this week? Narconon has been extremely, extremely busy. And, you know, there's never going to be a shortage of addicts out there because – As more and more time goes by, it seems to be like more and more things are uncovered about this opiate epidemic. And I actually came across uh, an unfortunate statistic. It's really sad. Basically, there's there's two things. One is the Afro... You hear a lot about addiction. You mm-hmm. hear about opiate addiction. And people mock up in their heads, you know, well, the opiate addict is a white kid from a suburban household.
0: Rating medicine cabinets. Rating
1: medicine cabinets. Back in the day, it was the homeless guy shooting up under a bridge begging you for change outside of a grocery store. But what we have, and I don't think we've talked about this yet, but what we've failed to see is that there are other demographics they're even more harmed by the opioid epidemic than white people.
0: Well, we've talked about we talked about older people. Oh, but you're not... Okay. You're talking about other races. Other races? Yeah.
1: African Americans and Native Americans are actually the two demographics that are most highly affected by the opioid epidemic, but it's never reported. Interesting. All we hear about is the white kids. And, and we hear about the white families that are affected. And we hear about the rich kids and the wealthy and the upper middle class and all that stuff. But what we fail to see is that I think it's almost... Two thirds of those who overdose are African American and Native American.
0: And interestingly enough, the couple that I want to interview and we'll have to do it—we'll probably have to do it via Skype. They work a lot with the Native American community from where they are, Wait. and they they immediately said we have to get someone from I can't remember the tribe, but we have to get somebody from that tribe to get on the podcast with you. They'll have to get approval totally. from the tribal elders, but that's a whole that's a whole other can of worms.
1: It drives me crazy because now race is brought into the opium into the drug epidemic, and it's like oh my god, race shouldn't have anything to do with it. Look, addiction is one of those things that's non prejudicial; it right. affect anybody. But why is the media only reporting? the 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 you know abercrombie and Fitch j crew looking kids you know that were played were all star football players in high school and you know this that and the other thing that had an injury got on oxycontin got put on heroin and then they overdosed it's mm. sad yeah but it's yep. sad that that happens but why are we seemingly ignoring another side to this Now, I wrote a blog about this, and it's starting to catch wind because people are getting angry. I'm very good at making people upset about the things I report because they have an emotional reaction just like I did. Right. And that's why I report it. But it's like if there are tons of African-American, Native American individuals out there that are being affected by overdose deaths by way of they died or someone in their family, why aren't we hearing about it? Why do I have to dig through journals and news stories and all this stuff to find this? And we're not paying attention to it. Right. You know, addiction is an equal opportunity employer.
0: Yep. Yep. And um, I wonder if the assumption is that it's more commonplace among african-americans or native americans and now don't anybody get upset with me i'm not saying that that's my viewpoint but i wonder if that is maybe the viewpoint of the media so it becomes like more sensational when it's oh kids. it's the white kid with the you know seven it, digit income but why you
1: know? is but you see, that's where it gets icky
0: well because but let's uh, don't get me started. Don't that's, get me started that's on the where it, media, that's, that's Jason. Where gets, that's where it gets icky. I know, but don't get me started on the media and that's what they're trying gets, to do. We, that's just, where
1: it gets weird because yeah. things are slated for us to view things in a certain way, and that's it's like right. I try to give the information to everybody. Yep, I really, really, really do. You know, another thing I came across was that there's been, I think it was a uh, the amount of children that have been hospitalized for opiate overdose has doubled since 2004. Yeah. And you know what that comes down to? Okay, so kids. Okay, so we talk about kids, we're talking between the ages of one and seventeen. Yeah. Anyone that's a minor, right? Yep. How are these kids ending up in the hospital on opiate overdoses? What's your guess? How is that happening?
0: They get it from their parents. Where? Like in the medicine cabinet and exactly. laying around.
1: Exactly. There's so many pills that are being prescribed And they're being either abused by some, used by some, and then those who stop using them, put them in a medicine cabinet for them to just kind of sit there. um, And the pills just then reside there for years. They're just kind of ripe for the picking for kids to go into the medicine cabinet and either intentionally or unintentionally um, take them. And we're having lots and lots and lots of kids hospitalized needing Narcan so they don't die because of what they've taken. And a lot of that medication is methadone. Interesting. Isn't that weird? Interesting.
0: Well, I think I said on the podcast, if I did, I apologize for repeating and if I didn't, here you go. Steve and I were in LA visiting the grandbabies mm-hmm. and we were staying in an Airbnb. Now mm-hmm. this this was a lower floor kind of grandmother's apartment type sure. thing. And i I know for a fact that the woman had never rented it out before. she was it was not exactly prepared as a rental, but we were searching under the sink for a hair dryer. Uh-huh. and there was an open bottle of anti-anxiety medications. Whoa. I mean, there wasn't even a top on this bottle. Whoa. And i put we pulled it out, put it on top of the sink, and we said to her, "Listen." You need to check for these things because it was her prescription from two years ago and she obviously forgot about it. But that's the exact kind of thing. Had I had a kid, a kid could have gotten there. They were pink. They look like little sour candies. Overdose Uh, time, you
1: know? You know what's really scary about pill bottles? Yeah. So you know on the pill bottle there's a barcode? Uh Uh-huh. So if if you've ever had a prescription and you throw your bottle away, do you black out that barcode before you throw it away? I guess
0: I should, huh? You
1: know what's on that barcode? all of your health information oh okay that's so anyone good, you, you, know. you i can get a barcode i can get a barcode scanner on my cell phone
0: okay we are an educational <laughs> podcast here just so that everybody just knows. so everyone knows i'm not trying to scare yeah. you however exactly. if you throw
1: away a medicine bottle black out the barcode good because idea. someone can pull all of your medical information off that and so one that's scary that obviously that people can get a hold of medications like that too the older generation need to not be as trusting as you know they want to be right because people are going to steal your medication yeah. people are going to abuse your medication but also realize make sure you black out all the information before you dispose mm-hmm. of anything because you point. are putting your information out there and we are in a te- technological age where people want to steal your information so i thought That's that right. was a nice little interesting tidbit that i learned from avon actually a okay. woman that works with me over at Narcanon. she uh she works in my area, and she came. She found out that information, thought that was very interesting. I said, that is very interesting.
0: It's very so, interesting. Well, it's sad about the kids. Yeah. And we will talk definitely more about that. Um, I'm sorry
1: to end it on some kind of a somber note. I feel like I need to like add some good news in there. We had a bunch of great graduates. Really? From in the past week, we had three or four graduates. You know, it's nice to see people get their lives back together because I see these guys when they come in the door. Right. I, I do a lot of the intakes. I do a lot of the paperwork, and I meet with the families. I meet with the student that's coming in, and I see them just come in, beaten, and battered, and dirty, and unkempt, and sick, and not feeling well, or. Completely high out of their minds. I
0: remember you telling the story of the girl who wanted her picture taken.
1: <laughs> oh, I told her I wouldn't do it. I know. I wouldn't do it. I was like, that's upsetting. You don't want to see what you look like right now. And then after, um, it was but, after
0: the sauna detox that she wanted to amazing, see it, right? And couldn't believe it. An
1: amazing transformation. <laughs> yeah, believe amazing, it. Amazing, amazing, amazing transformation. And we
0: had Garth last week. And, and we Garth's Garth story was week. a great story. He was doing it
1: actually. He actually just yeah. went home. Um, saw his wife, saw his kids, spent a lot of great time with them. That's awesome. And he actually was like, he he said this to me last night because I was working late at the center last night and he said, you know, Jason is interesting. And I went home and that's where I used to use. Right. And I never even thought about it.
0: Wow. I never even
1: thought about using. I never thought about heroin. I didn't even, wow. it didn't seem like any kind of option for me he's like obviously my wife was like nervous and like stuck by my side like 24 (laughs) 7 and i was like as she should she he was like yeah Yeah, she should (laughs) and but he's like you know i didn't even think about it it didn't even like come into my thought as something that i would even remotely want to do and he's like i never thought i could get to that point right
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. That's amazing.
1: That's awesome. That's a high point. Yeah, super high point. point. I like that. And now he's back and he's starting to learn how to work and he wants to learn how to, you know. He
0: wants to be the ethics officer, he said. And we talked about what that was last week. And I I think that's very exciting because he's going to help people understand. What led them to make the bad choices that they make once they get through the program. And I Pretty think cool. that's very cool. That's awesome. So that's an upbeat. I like that.
1: Like, that's upbeat, right? Yeah, okay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got myself kind of depressed talking about Sorry. what I was talking about. I said, I got to bring some good news into all this. No, that's
0: very, very I, good news. Yeah, and, and I think it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy about that. And I, I really want to meet garth's wife when she moves out here and meet his little boy i'm kind of excited about that yeah well don't forget anytime you want to bring a graduate on that's a good thing to do and um we'll talk next week
1: absolutely same time same place it's a date it's a date i'll see you then.
0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast.